0: If you wouldn't run your mouth all the time, and you were running your mouth, things would go better around here, I'll tell you that. A lot of times. You are a smart. You know what? You can just go in the blank. And I'm going to warn all of you out there this is not a cute night. That's it. It's not cute at all mouth you boy right where it counts maybe what you need is a change of people go where the people is warm and wonderful <laughs> I'm sorry every time I hear that spot on the air I flip can you imagine a people more egotistical than to put an announcement on, a, on the air in another country that comes on and says maybe what you need is a change of peoples go where the peoples is warm and wonderful Visit Scandinavia. <laughs> hey, I wonder if we have spots on in, in foreign countries. I mean, I wonder if they have a spot, let's say, on Luxembourg Radio. Why don't you go where the people are? Swing us, go where they're all the warm and wonderful. Go to the Bronx where people are great. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I got that terrible kind of mind. But uh, this is not a cute night. Right, excuse me here. Hold on. What a sound. No wonder I'm the envy of the airwaves. Listen to this. Oh, the idol of the airlines comes once again and brings you the magic world of everywhere. That's me. Oh, we are marching forward. Let's ever up we go. We are marching forward. Hooray for people to go peoples, we are humans, we are mankind, we are marching forward, marching, marching, marching forward. <laughs> oh, that's very uh, good. Wasn't that nice? Now, by the way, speaking of nice little things, I'm just putting this down here. I don't want any of you to listen to this because I don't want to be accused of, uh, of, uh, of tearing down the morals of our time, which, of course, are noted for their high morality quotient but I'm putting this this down for the uh, record, so that when this tape is put in my vast file of trivia for the year four thousand, they'll know a lot of things went on. Did you read with the little whoopee moment that happened? You can understand, friends out there, for those of you that are living in uh, great swinging places like uh, old, uh Flemington, New Jersey. Uh, oh, it's an exciting town, Flemington. It's a, it's one of one of the most exciting things about Flemington is to see that sign on the road that says. Flemington, New Jersey, pop, 17309, behind you. That's an exciting moment when you finally find yourself. And, and uh, another, uh, another great town is, oh, there's a lot of great, exciting towns. There's, uh oh, I, I, uh, I think Lampertville is a very exciting town. Oh, it's so exciting. They have a bakery there. And uh, one of the most exciting things in, no, one of the most exciting things in Lambertville is to go on a Saturday morning and watch people buy bread. In fact, that's about the only thing in Lambertville on a Saturday morning. But these are all the little pleasant people excitements that I'm not here about to put down. Uh, Another exciting town I think just so exciting is Long Branch. Long Branch. Uh, Oh, yes, I love to go to Long Branch and walk around and smell the pizzas cooking. And, uh, you know, you can see the lurking. Oh, that's another story. We don't want to get into that. That's uh, bringing personal problems in there. What do you mean, mafia, smart guy? Well, that's something else again. You know, and then these are all exciting little communities where modern American life is lived to the hilt to the fullest, where night after night they sit and watch the Beverly Hillbillies and Flipper. And and, uh, and I wonder, uh, oh, Kearney, oh, yes. Kearney? That's an exciting to boundbrook oh there's nothing like Bound Brook in the spring it's very exciting. Bound Brook is even more exciting in a pouring downpour that's a that's an exciting moment. oh yeah, I love to go into the uh to the to the dairy Queen there in Bound Brook, and uh, all, uh, outside of Clifton, new Jersey, uh nothing very few places I know are more exciting than the than the bonds where you can see the local uh the local fauna, excuse me, in this case, I suppose it would be Florida, but actually, the local fauna have come in to down awful, awfuls. And they, oh yeah, I love to see them sitting there all lined up on the stools there, and and you can see the flickering light of the Rizzuto Berra bowling alley lighting up the acne on their, as they sit there sucking their, their, uh, hey, come on, I want another awful, awful here. Hey, Manny, how about If I have four of them, I get the fifth one free, right? Well, these are, these are things you just can't pass up. It's, it's just part of life. And, and uh, for those of you who wondered why they call New York Fun City, we have a little note in tonight's post. It says, an alleged house of ill fame with a swimming pool and a sauna for weary patrons. Would you please bring me a little of that? Uh, this is uh, our mood music for a man marching over the cliff there. An alleged house of ill fame with a swimming pool and a sauna for weary patrons was raided on the east side early today by plainclothesmen who arrested five women and three men. (laughs) Police swarmed into a four-story brownstone on Lexington Avenue in 94th Street, and by the way, that's in the middle of the higher-end district, after, this was at 2 a.m., after an unhappy man who thought he was just going to a party with a friend had fled the building and called the cops. (laughs) Manny, what did you bring that slob for? I mean, what is this? It's a holy roller. That's what he is. There's a a wet blanket on every party. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The patrolman who was called in, and we quote him here, says, You know, this place looked like a Roman orgy. People were in all phases of undress. Some were in the pool, some were in the sauna. There's a lots of them reveling around in the bedroom. I repeat, reveling around in the bedroom. At least five of the girls got away in a the confusion. They hightailed it out the window in the back door. They was all Jay Bird naked. What a sight. <laughs> Flemington matched that. <laughs> You want to hear a little more about this? I think one of the greatest touches of all, it just has to be reported, it says also included was the use of the pool, sauna, a game room with ping-pong. That makes it all the way. Can't you just see a guy caught in this giant raid? They're loading him into the paddy wagon. He's got his ping-pong paddle and... He I just came for the ping pong. He said, I want to work on my backhand. What is this? <laughs> I mean, you know, somehow the idea of a ping pong table, I don't know, you know. I imagine they had Monopoly boards, you know, Scrabble sets. After all, it was a house of fun. And, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people take their fun in various ways, you know. I'm not going to put a guy down. Everybody has his own little thing. And uh, it says, uh, however, uh, it says they only picked up four people, four chicks and three men. It says, however, judging from the pile of clothes left behind, there were a lot others that were uh, reveling in the pool. So shall we <laughs> 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 I mean, you see what you're missing out there? I mean, have you ever had the secret feeling as you sit out there just with your slack jaw hanging and you're watching David Brinkley on TV and... The most exciting moment is when Ron Swoboda pops up in the third inning. That's the highlight of your day. That there's others in this world that are doing other things and you're missing out on it all, friends. I think I just have to repeat to you, this is too good. I mean, this cannot be missed. It says, the tile pool and the sauna were in the basement. Besides endless liquor, police said there were lots of fruit available, and we quoted, including they had lots of grapes. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I could just see myself at a pool there wearing my toga, you know. And they're bringing in all these grapes. Nothing I like more than grapes when I'm on an orgy, you know? They bring in this great big tree of grapes, and they got this big boar's head, see? That's got an apple in his mouth, and his ears are on fire. Eh? Bring on the <laughs> And by the way, it was all chargeable to diner's club. The <laughs> I understand they had one of these little things that sort of proved by (laughs) cue, (laughs) huh? That uh, only proves that man's ingenuity is boundless. Gee, that sounds like a great service club. Boy, oh boy, that wasn't like the USO, was it? guys who uh, write little funny things in the John about the bosses and stuff like that. You never know, see. And one guy sent me from one of the departments here. I will not tell you which one it was. He sent me a department memo about WOR. It had the big WOR thing printed on the top of it, and he had spelled it a different way. Oh, da da dee 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 This is Sperm City, friends. I'm broadcasting right from the heart of it. And if we turn up the game a little bit, you can hear the sound of lutes being played. There ain't no good orgy unless you have a good lute player on hand. Would you bring it up? Let's see if we can hear the lutes. Listen to that. That is the sound of passion. We are broadcasting, folks, one block from the heart of Times Square. And believe me, there are more guys picked up in any 24-hour period on Times Square than the entire state of Ohio in one year for every conceivable form of swinging. Bring it up there. Hear it? See what you're missing by living in Flemington, New Jersey? (laughs) Well, let me tell you this. New York is a rotten place to visit, but a great place to live in. The end. (laughs) Okay. That's enough. We keep, it, uh, we keep it quiet, though. We don't mention this. And, uh, you know, we just keep a lot of things quiet. Uh, speaking of uh, keeping things quiet, now, you... Where's my little clipping here? I got another thing here I've just got to do. So don't... If you think you've heard of swingers, I want to... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up the gates here. Here's personal opinion. And if I don't win a fourth consecutive humor award, I will say that there was dirty work at the crossroads. I was sabotaged. But the current issue, July. It's the it's the July issue, of course. And the name of the piece is Ollie Noodles, Haven of Bliss. And I think you'll enjoy it, friends. Makes nice fireside reading when you're eating your Girl Scout cookies. And uh, it's in the current issue of Playboy, which is, by the way, dedicated to the Girl Scouts. This issue. Oh, Girl Scouts have changed a lot, I'll tell you. This'll... Oh, Absolutely yeah <laughs> that's true fred oh shucks hey c- can i get back here you know uh, i have to just get back on the on the beat here i'm listening today you know you know what the trouble with being a world traveler having traveled. and i was looking i was uh, looking at a, a little diary and a log i keep of trips and so on i've made i you know i've traveled and uh, and i've been to a lot of these countries three and four times and the trouble is once you've traveled all around the world you begin to realize, like Jonathan Swift, no place you go, friend, is a is, is beer and Skittles. Every place you go, the same thing is happening, only more so in some places. And when I heard that commercial today, and this girl came, out, she says, she says uh, maybe what you need is a change of peoples, go where the peoples is warm and wonderful. I was thinking, you know, it's only in America that we believe all the other countries the people are warm and wonderful <laughs> only in America we really believe this I don't care you name the country the natives are colorful simple trusting beautiful and uh, they don't have politicians they have statesmen they have political philosophers uh, it is only here that we have pals bosses and uh, you know all the rest of it and I heard that commercial, and I said gee Maybe what you need is a change of you know, people's where you should go where the people's is warm and wonderful. Go to Sweden and unto Schwingen. Go to Sweden where the people schwing and well I don't know. I don't know, I've been there. You know? I've gotten the fishy eye from many a chick in Stockholm. You know? But there was a great movie written about that. One of the greatest movies, I'm serious, one of the greatest movies I think I ever saw. A real little sneaker that no. It had a, a most unfortunate title. And uh, I think a lot of people were put off on the title. It was a kind of tawdry, cheap title. had nothing whatsoever to do with the movie. And the title of the movie was To Bed or Not To Bed. <laughs> it's a terrible, title. It's the kind of movie you would just automatically not go to. Say, well, well, the reason I went to see it was because a series of little flukes, and I found myself in there, And I'll tell you, it was one of the funniest, greatest, saddest, wildest movies I ever saw. And it, it, uh, the, it generally, I find that many movies which really have something to say are rarely given great reviews because most reviewers are far more interested in who the star is. Uh, who the director is, what technique was used, then whether or not the movie says anything. Rarely is the movie ever act. And the more cliché, I'll tell you, The Graduate is probably one of the greatest clichés to come down the pike since uh, since late in the Holden Caulfield period. <laughs> you know, that's a terrible cliché. Uh, I mean, what is more of a cliché than the sensitive, uh, vibrant uh, young man looking for his, quote, identity? And finding uh, and, and finding that society is corrupt and rotten. Oh, come on, Mike! Are you serious, Mike? Come on! If there's anybody who's part of the part of the establishment, it's you, big old Mike. And I know it, man, all the way. <laughs> you know. But uh, that's that's uh, neither here nor there. And uh, so I generally avoid, like the plague, movies that get good write-ups in uh, Old oh, Voice, Cinematique Weekly. I watch out for that stuff. And uh, one night. I'm sitting in there, and I'm seeing this movie, to bed or not to bed, and it's Mastriani, before he became a big deal. He's just an actor, see, Mastriani, and he was an Italian businessman in the fur business, and it opens up with him being sent by his firm, and he's leaving his family. He's got this gigantic family of about 500 kids yelling and hollering. He's got this giant busty wife that's you know, she's making a spaghetti, and they're all in this in this little room with it's got diapers hanging all over and socks and stuff. And, and uh, he's being sent by the firm for a weekend to do some business in Stockholm, and he is thinking, "Oh man, those chicks!" You know, and we see him on the train now. and He's dreaming of these fantastic things he's heard all of his life about these these wild these these Swedish chicks that are world famous. And then we see him on the ferry boat crossing, and he's meeting these these characters. They're giving him the wine, and he's on his way. And then he finally arrives in Sweden. And this great scene in the in the apartment. Do you remember the scene in this 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 modern Swedish apartment that had about all the warmth of the average oh I'd say the average interior decoration of a Westinghouse two door refrigerator. <laughs> you know the Swedish modern is about as is about as cold as last year's frosted ice cream cup. You know, and he's sitting in this apartment and he's got his eye on this chick who's invited him up there. It was then that he learned the the, the true facts of life about maybe you should go. But the people is, oh man, wonderful. <laughs> and she asked him, she says, "Were you ever in the war?" And he's got his mustache. My, uh, uh, I, was I, saw, I, said, I was in the war, I said, I was in the war. And she says, "Why well, you are a killer?" Well, I'm <laughs> here. His mustache. Oh, well, no, i no. I was in the war. You know, Duce, Gucci, the fascists. Uh, we uh, go all marching in the in the, the Africa court. Uh, we got the we got the shirt. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was such a, such a beautiful delineation between two cultures. Now, rarely would we think in America of making a movie about the fact that London isn't a swinging town. If we were going to make a movie about London, we would, we would insist on the fact that London is a swinging town. And I'll never forget uh, living in this hotel uh, near Kensington. Well, it was, it was near, uh, not, not far. Let me think offhand if you know London. Uh, it was not far from Victoria Station. And this little traveling hotel where ordinary travelers, if you ever read George Orwell, you know that part of London, uh, down and out in London and Paris, and uh, keep the aspidistras flying. (laughs) That was another good one. And uh, and I'm sitting in this hotel, and all these people are sitting around. I had a feeling like I was in this waxwork, see? And uh, outside, once in a while, somebody would run past waving an Elvis Presley record. And... (laughs) And I, and I realized I realized that myth far transcends reality in our in our in our ideas. We we people have a, have a thought. Most of, most Americans I know have a think that they, they really believe that that London is a cross between the Beatles, uh, a little touch of Michael Caine, and a dash of uh, the Beatles, and then all over, overall marinated by the spirit of Lawrence Olivier and Henry the Fourth. It ain't. It ain't any more that, friends, than America is an offshoot of the Sioux Indians. It ain't. We bear very little relationship, any of us friends, to Gary Cooper. Or for that matter, even to Johnny Carson. What do we do? We walk around. We sit down with a chock full of nuts. And we have a brownie. Maybe a second cup of coffee. That's the orgy for today. Maybe you say, what the hell? Are... Well, you only live once. I'll have two brownies. No, give me some of the peach cream pie. And that's life. You never see that in movies. And in England, they don't see that side of our life. When they see New York, what do they see? They see a shot of Mayor Lindsay spread eagle against the Seagram building. You know? <laughs> and Barbara Streisand running down Broadway trailing fur. That's the—that's the New York all of us know and love, isn't it, friends? Of course, knee-deep in cigar butts on Sixth Avenue, and a couple of Marty's right by on Eighth Avenue with Jersey plates, and they're throwing Valentine cans out of the back seat at you. That's the New York we love and admire, isn't it, friends? And know so much about. But uh, I just thought you ought to know. What do you think of Holland? I'm, I'm asking a rhetorical question to all of you out there. What do you think of Holland? Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it is. It definitely is. Now, what else do you think of Holland? Everywhere I go, people say, well, it's clean. So? My Aunt Min's ironing board is clean. I never thought that my Aunt Min's ironing board was very exciting because of that. What else do you think of Holland? Well... People with shoes, wooden shoes. Well, they're not easy to come by now these days, any more than you see guys with shaps walking along Forty Second Street. Although that's getting more common than it used to be, I admit. Now, since all those guys came down from the Bronx, high school of science, and bought all that stuff down in the village, (laughs) you know, with the love beads. But what do you think of Holland? I just thought you ought to know. Uh, Would you please uh, let's uh, let's give you a little insight into another country? Bring it on, Nick, please. Now, now, I'll tell you what you do. Go in there, take take it off there, Bob. Take it off and play the third cut on that side. One, two, three. What does it say? There it is. Bring it on big. Tonight's report from Holland. this is a report taken from the London Observer. And the title of the report is, Bad Day in Bad Town. The Hague, St. Wilderbord, is suffering from a hangover. Not the Roman Catholic saint who was supposed to have brought Christianity to Holland, but the village which bears his name. You don't hear much news from Holland, do you, friends? You're going to hear something tonight. I just picked this out of the hat, you know, just to show you that if you think America is the only place where violence is, you know, we, we have this idea. People have this, you know, this nutty thing that only in America is there violence. I just thought you were, I've I've taken what is generally considered the most peaceful country, this side of Switzerland, in the world, Holland, and I'm reading to you what's happening. This was last month. Now listen carefully. On a hot April night last month, When the temperature, well, it was two months ago, actually, about April 20th is when it actually happened. When the temperature broke all records and rose to 87 degrees, St. Willeboard exploded. Most of the male population of the village, nearly 1,000 strong, stormed the police station with the intention of raising it to the ground. The battle raged until dawn. Since then, all of Holland has been asking itself, But why? Why? What is this? Why? Why? During the court case against some of the 17 arrested St. Villabordians, some of the answers have been given, but there is no guarantee that it will not happen again. St. Villebord, a village near the Belgian border, has for years been the target of sociologists and criminologists looking for research material. <laughs> How would you like to come from that town, friends? <laughs> the criminologists come to study the population, Its chief contribution to the Dutch social system is professional cyclists and professional criminals. The rate of unemployment in the village is 27%, compared with 4% in the surrounding area. Just a lot of lazy louts hanging around St. Williboard. In the past, there have been many attempts to analyze what makes St. Willibord tick. It has even been seriously suggested, listen to this, by the Dutch government, and by many people in the Dutch population, that the village should be wiped off the map and its population distributed over the more civilized parts of the country. <laughs> All right, Helens? you are going to Rotterdam? We are taking that crowd next door who's been drinking beer for the last four weeks? They're on the way to Ghent? Just splitting up the whole town. Can you imagine us getting so mad at te-nack? that we decide to just wipe the town right off the map and send them all over the country. Send one crowd to Ohio, another crowd to Alaska. <laughs> no, no, this, this, I'm reading this to give you an idea that this is the kind of stuff that goes on in other countries. You never hear much about this. During the past few years, cafes and bars have mushroomed along the main village street. Despite the unemployment, there does not seem to be any shortage of money. 20 to 30 glasses of beer is considered a normal evening's intake for the average local inhabitant. (laughs) That's a lot of suds. Children of 12 or 13 are regularly picked up off the streets dead drunk. Anyone from the surrounding area looking for the high life automatically goes to St. Will That's where it's happening. To keep law and order, the village relies on a force of four policemen. No amount of recruiting can get them any more. That's it. On that hot Saturday night, the trouble started. Oh, a little mood music, a little Dutch mood music in there, just softly there. All ready to hear what happened? On that hot Saturday night, the trouble started when a policeman new to the area tried to show his teeth. A 25-year-old sergeant known to the locals as Oh, he's the, the mustache arrested a boy with a motorcycle who would not move on when he was told to. He was riding his motorcycle on the, car, on the sidewalk. Within minutes, the cafes and bars were emptied by angry, roiling citizens. A mob of nearly 1,000 marched on the police station, demanded the immediate release of the boy. The police refused. The mob began to tear the cobblestones out of the streets and pelt the building. The four policemen trapped inside telephoned desperately to the nearest large town, Breda, for reinforcements. The reinforcements, only 35 strong, arrived just in time to prevent a giant lynching party from stringing up the four cops. Here they come, over the hill! Armed with tear gas grenades and long truncheons, they set into the mob. Fifty tear gas grenades, and many hours later, the mob gradually began to disperse. Five policemen were taken to the hospital, having been hit by cobblestones, beaten up, or affected by tear gas grenades, which the, which the mob caught and threw back. <laughs> Holland was shocked rigid by the riot. The Minister of Home Affairs hurried down to the village on Monday. Special arrangements were made for the trial of the 17th, who were originally arrested to be held as soon as possible. It is normal in Holland to wait about two months before this kind of case comes to court. This time, the Dutch wanted swift, hard justice to make sure that it did not happen again. What makes this village different? The London observer asks. Perhaps the fact that most of its inhabitants are descended from gypsies or roving families who finally settled there. The immediate reason given for the riot was the high unemployment and the consequent boredom. But these figures are deceptive. It is quite normal in St. Willibord to draw unemployment money and at the same time do a little quiet work on the side, such as smuggling butter and cigarettes over the border to Belgium or brewing illicit gin in the bathtub in the house, if it has a bathtub. Most of the accused, listen to this line, most of the accused arrested after the riot had the same defense. Why? They wanted to know. Had they been arrested and not the rest of the town, what had they done that everyone else had not done? Most of them admitted that having had over 30 glasses of beer, but after all, what's wrong with that? That's what everybody drinks every night, huh? It just seemed that night the uh, kind of a good idea to tear the police station apart, brick by brick. Several of them had been registered as alcoholics since the age of 12. Meanwhile, the Minister of Home Affairs has been asked repeatedly what he is going to do about Willeborn. Well, There is not much I can do, says the Minister with touching honesty. It just seems that today no one wants to be a cop in St. Willeborn. And there it sits at this very moment, roistering into the night. The beer is flowing faster than water ever (laughs) no kidding was that oh yeah i'm sorry oh yes i'm very very sorry somebody just called i've just got to got to got to clear up something yeah no he's right i'm sorry he's right give credit where credit is due because he did a great job on this somebody just called it was alberto sardis (laughs) his his uncle called Alberto Sardi's uncle called. He says, why? He says, my nephew was in this. He says, it was not Mastrione. And there was a tone in his voice. that said, I better correct it. I better correct it. So it was Alberto Sardi. 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 Alberto Sardi. And uh, he, was, he was magnificent. Oh, there was a scene in that movie, I'll tell you, that uh, on the ice uh the the, the, uh, the maniacal death wish of the Swedes. Uh the, the, the scene on the ice when they were all out there racing their sobs and their Volvos on the frozen ice and the Italian was sitting in the middle of this wild, insane scene, these cool chicks with the green glasses and the guys, the, the, the Swedish counts with the slit eyes were driving their cars at each other at 150 miles an hour and Alberto Sordi he was going, Oh, Mamma mia, Mamma mia, what are we doing this so far? And the, the last scene was one of the most touching scenes I've ever seen in the movies. And I'm not a movie fan particularly, but it was Alberto Sordi arriving back home. Do you remember that scene? It was one of the greatest pro life movies I've ever seen. Arriving back home in this apartment with 15 bambinos yelling and howling, and the diapers all swing down from of the seating, and this, this big, busty wife of his was cooking the spaghetti, the pasta. And he arrives back in there, and she turns to him, and she says, In Italian, you, you never know quite what they say. And underneath it says, Did you have a good time, dear? <laughs> and he's been on this fantastic weekend in Sweden. And, and, and he, he smiles, he says, He says, ah, eh, Molto bene, molto bene. <laughs> so Alberto Sordi's uh, uncle is listening tonight. Will you tell him he was fine in that? and as an old actor i love his work uh, i don't think he's had the credit that, that mastriani has had very fine uh speaking of, of of little sneakers one night i found myself uh in a drive-in i love you know i go to drive-ins once in a while to study the uh sociological climate of course and i find myself in this jersey drive-in and and uh uh, the 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 uh, the the hit picture over there. What was it? The big picture there was uh, the Vengeance of She, or <laughs> Oh it? I don't remember. They they, they had this uh, one of these uh, monster pictures out there, and underneath it, a little tiny line. It said, a "Little tiny line." No, it was uh, it was the Jack Lemmon, uh, Walter Matthau movie. Yeah, the uh, uh, the the uh, Chinese cookie fortune cookie. You can see I'm a real movie bug, you know. And I sat through that thing, and that was, that was a one-line joke that was stretched a little too long, and uh, and uh, it was, you know, it was funny in parts, I thought, you know, it had got this great reviews, everybody's talking about how great it was, and uh, they didn't even mention on the outside, on the big on the big marquee outside of the uh, the, the drive-in, the whole thing was the fortune cookie, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, see, and Underneath it had this little line of the double feature, and just a little didn't say who was in it or anything. Just a little thing, a little picture thrown in, so that you could have something to to look at, you know, while you're eating your Chinese egg roll and making a scene with your chick and drinking uh, uh, drinking root beer and all that stuff, you know. So immediately after the fortune cookie was over, everybody goes out, you know, the cars started to drive out. And on came the second picture, and I'm starting to drive. I got the lights on, you know. And I look at the first scene. I said, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Just enough." I look, and the first scene was this magnificent scene—one of the most wild scenes I've ever seen—of the Italian Riviera. And this guy driving along, and the streets—you could see him. He's got this rakish hat, was the kind of hat that, that uh, Jacques Tati wore in uh, Mister Ulo's Holiday. And he's driving along in his his uh, his little Fiat his Fiat Roadster, and he's driving through the streets, and you could see these cars, and all of it was in color. And, I, and it was one of the best movies I have seen in months, and I've not heard one word about it. It was called Weekend Italian Style. And it was not at all what you thought it was going to be. Not at all. And there was one scene with him on this rowing machine with this fantastic chick, the... You know the Sophia Lauren type, and they're rolling along there if you if you ever want to see the other side of the discotheque world, that's the movie to see oh wow and and and, and I saw that it was so beautifully done, and I don't know whether any of you saw this movie, but if you get a chance to see a little movie and i don't I don't even know the name of the man who's in it, which is much which is one of the sad things, one of the finest, most subtle acting jobs I've seen in a long time. this guy did just a an ordinary-looking, middle-aged actor, but beautifully done. The job he did was magnificent on this. And it's called Weekend Italian Style. Then you begin to see that, that we're not the only ones, you know, with the, with the nuttiness going, with the insanity that floats around. It's, all, it's the 20th century, you know. And somewhere off there on the east side, they had the grapes ready. And the ping-pong tables were all set that the, the paddles were out new set of ping pong balls they had the monolopy board there and all those new cards that said the deed to Ventnor Avenue and the swimming pool was filled with reveling people singing and hollering and uh, you know just having a good clean time You know, after all life is hard enough today without not finding a little relaxation here and there this is a health club after all And so tonight we salute Alberto Sordi. We salute Alberto Sordi's uncle. We salute the man who played that little piece in the Fiat automobile. We salute the lady who swam on her back halfway to Staten Island after she jumped out of the ferry. We salute the guy that went in to the revelry house on the east side and says, what is this? and ran out and called the cops. There's always a wet blanket, friends. You gotta watch out. They're everywhere in life. Hang loose.